So just before we finish up today's show, I want to let you know about my next group program, my health kickstart and detox. The best way to start diving into your health, if this is what you're doing and my podcast is motivating you to get started, is to start looking at nutrition, the right way to eat for your body and understanding that, as well as digestion, because you are what you absorb and not just what you eat. And so I teach how to ensure your digestive system is even turned on so that you can benefit from the food that you're putting into your body, as well as sugar. Where is it sneaking into your diet, even when you're trying to be careful? Unfortunately, it's in everything these days, and so it does tend to sneak in. So I combine all of this learning in a group program for support for you, along with setting you up for success on your detox program providing recipes and meal plans, et cetera, so that you can truly enjoy the benefits of getting those toxins out. I've never had someone get to the end of my program and go, gee, I wish I didn't do that. Instead, I get to hear all of their amazing success stories like, wow, my I have such mental clarity now. My aches and pains are gone. I'm sleeping better. My bloating and gas and indigestion is gone. So I love hearing that. It motivates me to keep sharing with others because I truly do believe when we get the toxins out, when we create a body that is inhospitable to disease and we make it a lifestyle, that we can get rid of the chronic illness that we have in our world today. So click the show notes to learn more about the program. The link is there. And if you have any questions, book a call with me so we can chat and figure out, is this the right program for you? I look forward to hearing from you. Imagine getting up every day full of energy as if you were in your 20s again. What would that be like? What would that be worth to you? What is your health worth to you? Think about it. Your health isn't everything, but without it, everything else is nothing. And yet too many of us are taking it for granted until something goes wrong. No one wakes up hoping to be diagnosed with a disease or chronic illness. And yet we've never been taught how to be proactive in our health through our school system or public health. As a registered health coach and integrative health practitioner, I believe it is time this information is made available to everyone. Combining new knowledge around your health and the ability to do my functional medicine lab tests in the comfort of your own home will allow you to optimize your health for today and all your tomorrows. Don't wait for your wake up call. Welcome back to another episode of the Don't Wait for Your Wake Up Call podcast. And as you know, this month has been talking about personal growth. That is the theme. And I have another fabulous guest for you here, Chad Nedlin. And he is the author of the Be Better book. And we're going to dive into his journey and how he came to writing that book. So welcome, Chad. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. Thank you so much. It's it's actually the book on being better. The book on being uh, so better. The yes. book on being better. Somebody asked me one time, they said, so what are you going to name the book? Or what'd you write the book about? I said, well, it's the book on being better. And they're like, yeah, what'd you name it? I'm like, no, it's the book on being better. And they're like, well, how are people going to find that? I was like, well, anytime they're looking up a book on being better, it should show up on the search engine. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like that'll never work. I'm like, look it up. And there you go. <laughs> it shows right there. That's that's the great acronym, Bob, so people can remember it. Book on being better. So I apologize. I got the oh, name no. Bob. No, <laughs> it's good. Great. That's it's just that much more fun. Uh, so so tell us how did it come? How did it come to be? I, you're a fun guy. You tell stories. Yeah. You got your little name there, assimilation story framework. You teach. You coach through stories. So share your story. Absolutely. Um, my story is is varied. It's got highs and darks and lows and ups and downs and everything in between. And ultimately, You're just a that's what, yeah, that's what makes the average everyday person normal is we all go through these struggles. The question is, how do how do we assign meaning to those things in our lives? And I started with what a lot of people don't have two parents who absolutely loved me. Um, they, they just cherished all three of us, three boys. I was the youngest of three. 
and we had varied interests. I, if you would find me in one of two places, I would be in a hole climbing <laughs> in something, or if I was really lost, you would find me at the very top of a tree with the skinniest branch <laughs> just waving in the wind. And I literally would climb until I heard the branches start to strip, to break. But I love being outdoors. I love to explore and to see new things and to gain different perspectives. I found out that I had like 90 different yards <laughs> when I was a kid because the yard was completely different depending on what I was sitting on. It was a whole different world. And with an imagination like mine, I could see castles and cowboys and Indians and, you know, I mean, all of the things a kid could see. But I, I got to see it based on where I was and how I perceived the world based on my circumstance. And then I had another brother and uh, he, he liked to uh, borrow things that weren't his in the neighborhood. And then he would carve his initials in windowsills. So we were immediately loved in, in our neighborhood as a child. And then my oldest brother, he, he, liked, he liked fire. He liked to burn things like people's barns and their sheds. And so we had parents that loved me in communities that hated us because <laughs> of my brother's I used to go to things and my teachers referred to me as brother of a thief during roll, roll call. Cool. They wouldn't even address me by name. Uh, small communities, you know, they can be uh, very loving and they can also be very brutal. Mm -hmm. And I learned that it was better to not connect with people because then I wouldn't be hurt when we moved. And we moved a lot. No, my dad was not in the military, but he would he would move to another state for a three cent race. Right. Because it was something to, it was, it was more. And he always mm -hmm. wanted to be able to give us more and he wanted to love us more and show us more. And in so doing ministry for my parents seemed like it took precedent over us as her, their children. Now, as I look older now, and I look at why they did the things they did, man, I fully support their decisions now. But as a child, I felt neglected. I felt unloved, uncared for. I was second to everything else. And it got me to really start looking at things deeply. When I hit junior high, I started, you know, like every young man does in junior high, I started studying psychology and economics. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> everybody does that, right? Don't they? <laughs> and uh, well, you know, with my parents, it's not like I had a love life on the side. It was <laughs> school and home. If you want right. to play, play with your dog in the backyard. You, you don't go run with the pack, right? And... Uh, it got me really interested in how the mind works, the psychology behind it. Why do we do the things we do? More important to me is why are my parents doing what they're doing? If mm -hmm. like, I love them dearly, why do I feel so unloved? Mm -hmm. And it wasn't a fault of my parents. It was a learned behavior that my parents had. They loved me in the way that they knew how and the best way that they could based on what they knew. And that's so often and, what happens. We parent the way we were parented, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so I said, there's got to be a better way for this. And I started digging in, digging deep. And I wanted to grow up and be a youth pastor. My one brother wanted to be in the military and the other one wanted to be a truck driver. Not I wanted to be fighter. a youth pastor. <laughs> yeah, not a firefighter. I wanted to be a youth pastor. So right out of high school, I went into the army. <laughs> <laughs> My brothers couldn't. They had records. Um, I went into the army. Uh, absolutely loved it. Excelled in everything that I did in the military. When I got out. I ended up starting in as a household mover. I spent years going over the road with trucks, moving people. And uh, eventually I ended up back where I was preaching from the pulpit and helping youth. So ultimately I got to fulfill all three of our dreams mm -hmm. in my life. And I said, wow, this is pretty cool in my twenties. Now what? So I took a walk. I went from Minneapolis to California and I took a short little walk. <laughs> That turned into a seven-year journey where I traveled all over the U.S. by foot and worked in homeless camps. And my whole goal was to just bring them hope. Most people don't realize you don't end up homeless because you want to be homeless. Something happened. You end up homeless and you end up staying homeless only when you lose hope. Right. So I got to show up in same dirty clothes, same lack of belongings, same position, same place, same situation and circumstance, but I was fully joy. Right. And it made people ask, like, what is so different about you? And I said, do you really want to know? They're like, yeah. I was like, are you sure? Like, yeah, man. What's so different about you? I said, well, ask me tomorrow. And I turn around and walk off. <laughs> because 
when when I I learned that when you when you make people really want to know something mm-hmm. and then you make them pursue it, mm-hmm. they value it when they have it. And they and do I learned this from my grandpa. I learned this from my grandpa. Smart man. He said, you know, he says your your cousins take the twenty two and they go out there and they shoot all the squirrels and rabbits. He says, and he just lets them run off into the woods. He says, I'm going to show you how to snare a rabbit. And I tell you, that rap, that first rabbit that I got, I brought home and I was so proud. I field dressed it. I cleaned it. We cooked it. We ate it. I was so proud of that. And that's when he reminded me, he says, and see, your cousins still just let them die in the woods. He says, but you found value in what you did because you had to pursue it. You had to be persistent. You had to put the work in. And I was like, wow, there is so much there. And my, my grandpa used to teach me all these little lessons. He was a cold, he wasn't a cold man. He didn't laugh much. He was a very stern person. Right. But I never it's understood. Very common in that era. Yeah. I never understood the depth of the lessons that he taught me until I got older. Right. And a lot of those lessons you'll actually find in the book on being better. And I, I tell story <laughs> to, to share those principles. Um, well, some of the lessons that I learned was like in the military about finding our beginning. We did land navigation in order to find, figure out where you're going and how to get there and plot your course. There's three things that you had to know. You had to know your start point. You had to know your end point, And you had to know the terrain in between. Right. And once you knew all three of those, you could plot the most effective course to get you wherever it is that you're going. Lack any one of those three and you're going to die of starvation, dehydration or the wild. Right. And I thought, how much how much more is our life just like that? Mm -hmm. Too many people say, give me the framework. Give me the plan. Give me a business plan. Give me an idea. Give me something to follow because I, I want more. And you're like, well, what exactly is it that you want? And they're like, more more money. I said, how much? Well, 10 grand. I'm like 10 grand a month, another 10,000 before you die, 10 K a year. What, what do you want? You have to get clear on that desire. And they're like, well, I just, I just need more money than I have now. And I'm like, go stand on the corner, ask for it. You'll end up with more, you know, and they didn't understand until something I started doing with people to impress this point, as I would tell them, just like I'm going to tell your audience right now, mm-hmm. if you come to my home, I will feed you like royalty. I will keep you well housed, well fed and well entertained for an entire week and give you complete coaching and wherever you are in your business for an entire week, solid and straight. All you got to do is just come to my home, walk up to my porch, knock twice on the door and come on in the house. You don't even have to wait for me to answer. Just come on in. So all you need to do is go north 13 miles and take a right at the first T in the road. When you hit that T, I want you to go through town down, up a hill. Immediately, you'll find another road. Take a left, follow it three quarters of a mile. You'll see a white picket fence. Go to the next driveway, take a right. That's my house. So those directions, anybody who wants to come on up. A lot of people go, oh, that's so exciting. And they get all worked up about this. The smart ones go 13 miles from where? Exactly. Without the start point, the best, most descriptive directions and plan will not get you to your destination. I mean, there's a chance, but it's one in a billion. Exactly. <laughs> You'd be better off having no plan and just walking aimlessly through life mm-hmm. than to have a specific plan and no start point. Right. So we we says, well, I got to I gotta find a way to make sure that people understand this principle, that they have to have that start point. They have to know their beginning in life. And it's mm-hmm. not, you know, where are you at physically, but where are you at in your life? If it's business, where are you at in your business? If it's your relationship, where are you at in your relationship? If it's your personal development, identify where you're at. Be so brutally honest that you would be embarrassed if you walked into the room and overheard yourself. Like be so raw, because if you're not completely honest with where you're starting, you'll never actually get anywhere solid because you'll be building on a false foundation. And so now that we have that, we have to know the end game. Right. Like, mm-hmm. Where do we want to be? Somebody says, I want to lose weight. Okay. How much? I don't know. I'm just, you know, I need to lose some weight. All right. Well, take your shoes off. <laughs> True enough. You're lighter. Right. Yeah. We're good here. Don't drink an extra glass of water a day. You'll be lighter, slightly dehydrated and miserable, but you'll be lighter. You know, there's little things. It's like, if you don't know what your outcome is, your goal, then you can't work towards it. 
Mm-hmm. Once we have that, then we have to make sure this is my favorite lesson was my grandpa. Actually, he taught me a lot of lessons around the right tools. But one of my favorite is we were going to make birdhouses. We do a lot of woodcrafting. And to this day, we still do a lot of woodcrafting in my house. But we were going to make some birdhouses. And we went out to the woodshop. He's like, all right. He says, well, I need I need holes in all of the fronts of the birdhouses. And he cut all the pieces ahead of time. He's like, I need holes for all the birds to come in. And he handed me the stack of boards and he handed me a chisel. And so he's over there working on other stuff. And I'm this young kid and I'm just gouging away and I'm digging these holes. And finally I get one through and I look over at grandpa and he's just sitting there crossed, crossed armed over his lap, just watching me. And I came over and I was so proud. I was like, I got it, grandpa. I got it all the way through. Is it big enough? He goes, that's perfect. Good job, Jarek. Because it was Chris, Eric, and Chad. So he always just called all of us Jarek. Um, <laughs> good job, Jarek. And I was like, thanks, Grandpa. And he goes, we don't have time. He says, hold on. And he picks up the other five. He walks over to the drill press, sets them in there, goes, done. Five more holes, done, just like that. And he looked at me and he goes, you can accomplish most anything you set your mind to if you work hard enough and long enough. But sometimes it just makes sense to ask for the right tool. And all I could think was, you're such a jerk. (laughs) And now I spend my life going, what's a tool I could use to make that more effective? Right. What tools do I have at my disposal? Because that lesson changed everything about how I do life, how I do business, how I do my relationships with my wife, my kids, my parents. There's a toolbox that we have. And most people never take the time to open up that toolbox and say, what skills do I have? What resources do I have that I can apply to this situation or circumstance? And because of that, most people are stuck there with a chisel and a board, never knowing how to use the right tool for the task. So when we understand that principle and say there are tools at our disposal and they're there, although we're not accessing them, I learned that I had developed an immense amount of skills in the military, in the wood shops, traveling. Mm -hmm. But when you looked at my life, I seemed unsuccessful. And I realized that my dad would move us for three cents and then move us a few months later for a penny or two more or a slight change or a better opportunity or something that had more potential. No promise, just potential or possibility. And I realized that we always moved for the potential and the possibility, but we never pursued the result. Right. And I realized that as I was looking through life, I'm like, you know what? I got tired of where I was. So I walked to California. Why did I walk? Because the night before, no joke, my brother and I were sitting around smoking something we shouldn't have. (laughs) We'll just leave it at that. He's like, what are you going to do tomorrow? I was like, I don't know. Walk to California, I guess. He was like, all right, let me know when you get there. And we sat there for another half an hour, 45 minutes or so. And I went to bed in the morning. I got up. I was tired, worn out. It was a long night. And I was like, well, he told me or I told him I was going to go to California. And the words of my grandfather ran through my head. He says, a man is only as good as his word. If you don't have that, what are you? And I was like, if I don't have that, I'm a lie. I had no choice but to walk to California. It wasn't a whim. I made a statement. And as a man, I had to be a man of integrity. So I walked. And I continued to walk. And I basically, I walked all of my excuses out of my life. Once you've gone to East Coast and West Coast five times on foot, there's really nothing you look at in life and go, I don't know if I can do that. You're like, eh, it sure was easier than walking across Arizona. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you start thinking things like that. And all of a sudden you get a different perspective. And I realized that what had to shift wasn't my situation. It wasn't my circumstance. It wasn't my resources. It wasn't my skills. It was my thinking. Mm -hmm. I had to learn to think differently because the way that I had been thinking was in in complete alignment with the way that I was raised. And like you said, we parent how we were parented. We love how we were loved. We do life how we see others do life. And then I thought, wait, if if I continue to do life the way that my dad did life, I'm feeling exactly what my children will feel when they get my age. I'm feeling it right now. And I don't want that for them. I've got to do life different. I've got to think different. I've got to perceive things different. How do I go about doing that? And so I started studying people who 
they were seeing things that were successful in their life. And I don't believe success is making X amount of money per month or having this type of car, this type of house or prestige. Um, I actually really enjoy Earl Nightingale's version of success. He says it's a worthwhile, it's a pursuit of any worthwhile goal. Mm-hmm. And when I, okay, I heard that for the first time, I'm like, I am a success. I'm not trying to achieve success. I am a success because I'm pursuing something worthwhile. Right. That's what makes me successful. And the interesting thing happened when I started to see myself as successful, I started to succeed at things in my life. And I realized it's a decision. And if you if you take the root word of, of decision, it's decio, which means to cut off or sever. It's actually a, a Latin term mm-hmm. used in surgery to cut off and sever. Like when you make a decision, you cut off all other options and that's what must happen. So I decided that I was going to be a world changer and an impact maker. I was deciding that I was the man who was going to find the key in my life that was going to help me to achieve all the things that I set out to accomplish. And as I studied some of the greats and I studied individuals, I studied cultures, and I found that there were some interesting things between cultural growth, emotional growth, and economics. A lot of them are the same principles. Didn't matter where you put them, they just worked. And so I started applying some of these principles in my life. Like we all know the power of compounding effect. If you put your money in the bank and every month they give you compounding interests here in America, after 20 years, you'll have an extra 20 bucks, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, the compounding in its truest form says it increases. And then we multiply your increase. Right. And every time we do it, we multiply the increase. So a 10% compounding is different than a 10% increase each month. If you put $100 in the bank and you get a 10% increase on your investment, that means the first month you have $110. Your second month, you have $120. Mm -hmm. But with compounding, you have $100, then you have $110, then you have $121, then you have $123 or $33. So it starts to compound and grow. And I says, well, if that's true, how many other areas in our life is this applicable? Because Mm -hmm. I've seen some crossover. Mm -hmm. And one example of a compounding interest and how we we grow physically in our bodies is I I had a good friend. He was uh, about nine inches shorter than me, and he came in at about 370 pounds. And he says, man, I got to do something. I got to get stronger. I got to lose some weight. And I said, well, just start with a push-up. He goes, push-up? He says, I can barely get up. And I said, well, I didn't say get on the floor. And I says, just every day after you get up, stand in your doorway, turn sideways, put your hand on the door, lower yourself down and push yourself back up. I said, just do that once a day. He's like, that's it. What good's that going to do? I says, do it for 10 days and you tell me. I wasn't trying to help him get stronger or lose weight. I was trying to teach him the power of creating a positive habit of making the effort. Mm -hmm. Six days later, he calls me up. He's all excited. You'd think he was a kid that just found the secret key to Charlie... Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. He's like, yeah, yeah, dude, I got to share this with you. And I'm like, what's up? He's like, dude, you wouldn't believe it. I'm like, what? He goes, I did too. <laughs> and I'm like, awesome. you did what too? <laughs> like, I'm like, what are you talking? He's like, no, I did two push-ups. Within a month, he had done six push-ups on the wall. Now, a lot of people are probably not really grasping this, but when you can barely move mm-hmm. on your own strength mm-hmm. and you're able to do a specific exercise six times in a row, which is it's something you've never done before. This is huge for it him. Is huge. It was such a massive change. And he's like, how did you know that was going to happen? And I just smiled and I, I looked at him. I says, yeah, I didn't. I says, I can never guarantee someone else's outcome. I can just guarantee that I can give you a tool. I says, and that's the tool that I used to run 20 miles. He goes, well, how'd you do 20 miles? I says, I got up in the morning. I ran as far as I could. And then I collapsed in the ditch. (laughs) He goes, you went 20 miles and collapsed? I was like, no, I went about an eighth of a mile because I hadn't run for years. And he says, in the next morning, I got up and I ran as far as I could. 
And I did that every day, day after day after day. And one day I had made it up to about 14 miles and I got up and I told myself, I says, I will not hit the ditch. He goes, what happened? I says, I finished 20 miles that day. He's like, how long you been doing that? I says, I ran 20 miles that day. That was it. Now I run when I want to run because I showed myself that I can. But that all came with that compounding. I wasn't starting from square one. You'd never start at square one. Once you've taken a step, you can never go back to not having that step. And I was like, awesome. That's a principle. I applied it in my health. I applied it in my fitness, my mental wealth, my, my mental health, my and business. Mental my yeah, and mental wealth. Yeah. Your brain is an asset after all. <laughs> yeah, yucks, absolutely. And everything that I started to apply this to, I started to see this massive growth. And this curve wasn't an angle. It was a whoop. All of a sudden, it would just start to just. Take shoot off. up like all yeah. of a sudden you'd hit a certain point and you're like dude this is easy now i can just make it happen and that was exciting to me and then somebody introduced me to the pareto principle which is the 80 10 or the 80 20 the 90 10 the 99 one you know everybody wants to create their own thing to make it new and really is pareto principle was never about 80 percent and 20 percent he says there's a disparity a difference yes. in percentage versus outcome that's it Right. And as he studied, he found that this disparity, this formula was that there is a very small portion of producers who controlled the majority of an outcome. Mm -hmm. And then he started to study deeper. And then other people jumped in the bandwagon and said, how many other areas does this work in? And about uh, there was an insurance company. They went from the individual locations all the way to the top of this entire nationwide corporation here in America. And they took the top 20% of the earners and they found out that the top 20% of each of these individual pods right. created about 80% of the revenue that was coming in. Right. So they took that top 20% and they did the math and they found that the top 20% of those people controlled 80% of the income that was brought in as a whole. And they did this all the way up till they only had 20 people. They had zeroed it down that far. And out of the 20 people that were at the very top of the top of the top of the top, only two four people brought home 96% wow. of all the revenue generated. Wow. And when you start applying this and you're saying, you know what, if a very small portion of my activities are responsible for 80% of the outcome, and I focus on the 20% of the lowest quality activity, 80% of the results in my life will be negative. Mm -hmm. It's not focus on the top 20 and get 80%. It's like, what 20% are you focused on? Because that will control what is the 80% of results that you experience? Listeners, I just want to interrupt this podcast for a second to say thank you for listening and let you know that I am very honored to have been nominated again for the Quality Care Award as well as the Entrepreneur of the Year Award for 2022 from the Business from the Heart Awards. And if you like this podcast if you like my content if it aligns i would love to invite you to vote for me you simply go to businessfromtheheartawards.ca and you can vote up to daily and the voting goes from september 5th to september 30th and once all the votes are in the three people with the most number of votes then go before the judges to decide the winner so if you can help me get before the judges, I would very much appreciate it. And I also want to let you know that on September 29th at 3.30 p.m. Pacific, 6.30 p.m. Eastern, I'm running a free workshop called Five Habits That Are Negatively Impacting Your Sleep. So if you struggle with sleep, getting to sleep, staying asleep, waking up feeling tired, or know somebody who does, please share this with them. You can register for free at my website, simply go to yourguidedhealthjourney.com, click on programs, click on workshops, you'll find it there, register, and I'd love to see you there. It's a one hour workshop designed to help you sleep better and wake up feeling energized. So I learned through this, it's like, you know what, I don't want to focus on the first 20%. And when I get done, go on to the next. I just says, I'm going to focus on that first 20%. 
And then I'm going to do that first 20% again and again and again until the day is over. Well, that worked for a while until I realized that if I just do the, the one thing, if today I could accomplish only one thing and it would make the greatest advance in my business, what one thing must I do today? And absolutely nothing else existed until that point. And I found that I could do it within the first three to four hours of my day. And then I figured out how to get it done in the first two hours of my day. Now, I usually have a full eight-hour workday done before most people get up and start. And I have the whole day to choose to do whatever I want to do, whether it be working with clients, whether it be like today, I just took five hours off and we went, we went grocery shopping. <laughs> you know, just got to go hang out with the kids and play in the little cart and right. know, throw stuff in and just spend time with my family because I realized instead of spending eight hours, I could spend a couple hours in the morning, do the thing that's going to move the needle the most of my business, and then do what's really important, which is love my children in a way that I never felt loved myself. Right. Because I have to change their story. See, the beauty of story is when we tell a story and our story becomes their story, then our lessons become their lessons. Our beliefs become their beliefs. So if I just redo the story that I lived, mm -hmm. my children will be me. But if I change the story, I change their outcome. And that's the power that we have, especially as parents. And I, mm -hmm. I never leave that out because that's huge. Yeah, absolutely. And then I started to realize that everything I was doing, it affected other people. Mm -hmm. And I started thinking about a ripple because I'm a water guy. I love being in the water. I love camping. Yeah. I love hiking yeah. and boating. And I realized if I take a rock and I throw it in a pool, it's different than if I take the rock and I throw it at the bank of a creek. If I throw it at the bank, it's going to make a dent. It's going to make a deep impact. It's going to make a difference for about 15 minutes. <laughs> and then the water is going to shift and it's just going to go away. But on the other hand, if I take a rock and I throw it in the middle of a pool, that one rock, that ripple, that wave will touch every grain of sand on the bank all the way around the entire pond. And I thought, wow, that's our life because we're in a pool of human beings. Everything that I say has a direct impact on everyone around me, and it will not be unchanged. You cannot come in contact with me and walk away unchanged because I will be a stimulus in your life. You know, that was my decision. I will be an impact maker. I will change lives for the better. I will give people the tools and the resources and the perspective. I will help them change their story. And as a result, I realized that there's a simple concept, I call it the one to a million. And this one to a million literally means before I die, I will talk to a thousand people that I have not yet met. And there's a good chance that every single one of them will talk to a thousand people before they die. And that means that every single conversation that I have, I will be impacting at least one million lives with every single conversation. It made me become extremely intentional about what I chose to say where I chose to show up, what podcast I chose to say yes to, which ones I say no to, because I know every decision I make, every word I say is going to impact millions of people because I'm going to teach my kids how to move forward and they're going to carry those same messages. They're just going to do it more powerfully than I did because they're going to learn what I learned throughout my life at the beginning of theirs. Right. They get it all that much younger. Yeah. Yeah. So that aspect is what I taught so many people over and over again is a, you know, know your start point, know your end game, plan a route, make sure you have the right tools and then be consistent, consistently show up, consistently apply the effort in all areas of your life. And you'll find that that compounds over and over again. And as that compounds, it intensifies and that intensifies the ripple. You'll realize that you're no longer a ripple maker. You're the one who makes waves and then rides it into oblivion because it's you create something that other people can actually just hijack and join you in. And then you do that powerfully in a positive way. And I started doing that in my life and I've helped people out of addiction, you know, working with people coming out of addiction. And we do that through through paddles. I guess we're on a podcast, so showing them won't, won't help. But we used to take old reclaimed lumber mm -hmm. and we would make paddles. And we sold the paddles. They were decorative paddles all the way up to I've got an eight foot oar here. But right. we would show them at the beginning. We'd be like, you know, people say this is an old dead thrown out piece of wood and we'd want to get rid of it because they say it has no value. 
But you know, with, with a pattern, you know, framework, and I'd sit here and I'd be drawing out the stencil on there. I says a little bit of work trimming away the things that don't need to be there. And I'd be cutting off the excess, and a little bit of shape and a little bit here. And over the course of about seven minutes, I'd talk them through this process of me making these little paddles. And I don't know, I don't have a short one next to me. We'd make these paddles. And by the time we got to the end, we'd have this freshly dipped and lacquered paddle hanging up. That was just a beautiful work of art. And they're like, oh my gosh, wow, that's, that's beautiful. I can't believe you did it that fast. And I said, well, I've done thousands of them. I know the pattern. I know the process. It says, but here's the beautiful thing. If, if I have the pattern, if I have the process, if I have the tools, if I have somebody standing next to me with the knowledge, do you think you could make that paddle in time? And they're like, well, yeah, absolutely. I says, but you know, isn't it society who said that you as a drug user, an addict, mm-hmm. although you're trying to change your life, they said that you should be locked up, thrown away, and have no value. And I says, but with the right framework, with somebody mm-hmm. who cares about you, who's willing to show you what doesn't need to be there, show you where to focus, things to polish, things to let go, you too can walk back out into the world with an immense amount of value that people will cherish to welcome into their homes. And not one single person did I ever walk through that process where full-grown men didn't hit the other end and cry because they realized that somebody cared. Mm-hmm. And then we talk in these principles that, that I had in the book, you know, it's like, you know, showing up and being consistent and doing the work and how it compounds. And of course, when you understand the compounding principle, you're not looking for that quick result. You're knowing that every single thing that you're doing is working you towards your goal, your outcome. And so it's, it's not really a get to wait. that point. It makes the wait worth it Absolutely. because you understand the value of not being there yet. Exactly. And I used to tell somebody, I says, compounding interest is like your, or compounding effect is like having money in the bank. This is the moment you get to the end and pull your money out, the value stops growing. Mm-hmm. I said, so enjoy the process because the longer you're in it, the more valuable, valuable it will be for you in the long run. And so people weren't quick to try and rush through the program to get to the other end and get a certificate or something. They're like, can, can we stay longer? And we'd always tell them, it's like, hey, if, if you complete the program and you maintain being sober and clean, you're always welcome to come back here and help us mentor others through the program. And they're like, you, you'd trust me to do that? And I was like, why wouldn't I? You're not the same person that walked into this program. Why would I treat you like the same person? And again, waterworks, you know, right. where, where there was the change that happened. And I started to do this over and over through life. And I realized that our resources are inside of us. And I'm not saying everybody has everything they need to succeed. They don't. We have to learn. Yes. But we have everything inside of us to learn that information. Right. As Brian Tracy said, he says, if it's knowable, it's learnable. If it's learnable, it's doable. And if it's doable for you, it's doable for me. And I live by that principle. There's nothing that's unattainable for anybody unless they choose to not take action on that. And that would be probably my biggest takeaway for people mm-hmm. is if you want, if you want something in your life, write it down and be clear. If you want to have more peace in your life, write it down because you'll never find joy and success until you find peace. Mm-hmm. But write down what that looks like, right? Where the end goal is exactly what it looks like. What does it feel like? What does it smell like? Taste like everything. And then Write down exactly where you are right now. What does it feel like, smell like, taste like, everything? And say, cool, now create a map. What things must happen to get to that next point? And the easiest thing is not to say, I'm here and I need to go there. What path do I need to take? The easiest way to do it is say, and I need to go there. Who lives there? And then go ask them, what got you to here? What was the last thing that you had to overcome to be in this position today? And they'll tell you the last obstacle that they had to overcome because they like sharing that, that victory story. Mm-hmm. Like, oh man, that's awesome. So really you had to be a better communicator. So what was keeping you from being a better communicator and how did you overcome that? And you start walking that process backwards, guaranteed every time you always end with you. Eventually somebody will hit that point and say, this is where you are. This is where I was. And you say, can you help me get over that? Now you've got a perfect path that will get you right to where you be based on a proven experience by people who have already overcome those obstacles. 
It's impossible to not succeed in that if you continue to move forward and continue to rely on those who've gone before you. And I would probably encourage everybody just to say, spend the time. People want the solution, but they never want to identify the situation first. Spend the time. So true. It's so true. Deep, deep. Everyone's in such a big rush. Yeah. Right? You've got the rest of your yeah. life. Yeah. Take your time. Yeah. Because success is in the pursuit, not the attainment. It's yeah. It's all about the journey. And then also uh, celebrating every step of the way as well. Right. Mm -hmm. Not just leaving the celebration to the very end where you think you're getting to that goal that you think you want, because I guarantee the goal that you have at the start of the journey isn't going to stay the same. No. The change as you go. Right. So if your celebration is only around that original goal, you may never get there. So you never get to celebrate. Well, that's pretty mm -hmm. demotivating. Right. Yeah. So if you celebrate the little steps along the way and you're focused on that, then it's that's hugely motivating because who doesn't love a celebration right yeah i i, I think you need to celebrate it like you celebrate your birthday mm -hmm. nobody is in a hurry to be dead yes nobody likes their yeah. birthday because it makes them feel old but everybody wants to celebrate it every time it happens like celebrate the steps along the way and stop focusing on the end mm -hmm. know the end yes like the the, uh, the stoics would say i'm i'm a Amarfati. It, it says literally to love your fate, love the mortality that you have, because when you accept and understand that someday your body will stop functioning, you start to value and celebrate every day that you have. A lot of people say that's such a dark statement, you know, love your mortality. And it's like, no, to love your mortality is to understand the value of our life. Mm -hmm. I agree 100 percent. I'm far from a stoic. I'm more of a comedian with a great perspective, but, but I understand those things. I've, I've seen a lot of death in my time, whether it be from the militaries time that I was over the road, you know, I've seen death pass. I've, I've held my own child in my arms as they, it, you know, no more life. It changes you, mm -hmm. but it changes our perspective on things too. Yes. When situations happen, it can crush you mm -hmm. or it can empower you. Mm -hmm. um, I wrote a book that will never be published. It's called His Death, My Rally Call. When my son died at 10 months of age, I realized that he had done more to accomplish my life's work than I had my entire life. And he did it in 10 months. Right. And I was like, it's time to wake up and be impactful in the world. And I never a day goes by that I don't say, okay, I have a purpose and a mission today. I will reach X amount of people today or I won't go to bed. My son was able to do it and he was 10 months. I can do it. And it's setting those standards for yourself. And I'm not going to tell everybody my number. My number is probably insane to most people. Mm -hmm. and to me, it's lunch and then I'm done. But it's a matter of just learning what's important to you, setting a plan, putting it in action, and then not giving up. Make that decision. Cut off all other options. Yes. Burn all There's the boats, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's not this, oh, well, I've got a backup plan. Okay. So that's your first pick, but you just don't want to tell anybody that's a backup plan. That's your first pick. You just know nobody will agree with it. So you make this alternate plan that you're really not going to do because you have your backup plan, but it sounds better and therefore you'll feel accepted. So just make a plan, stick to it and move. And if something doesn't go right, you say, I should have had a backup plan. No shift, readjust and keep going. That's a decision. That's the difference between a decision and a desire. Desire says, I want it. Decision says, it's mine. I'm going to go get it. And that's what will change everything when you're moving forward in your life is that decision to take that action. And when you do that, life will change. Be careful. It will change. Be prepared for it. I love all that you've shared here today. And it's uh, uh, you're such a great speaker and such a great storyteller that I've literally let you just go and share. And it's been wonderful and such a beautiful wrap up to the three podcasts on this theme that have come before you, because I know you haven't heard them yet. And yet you just tied it all together so beautifully. So thank you. Thank you for that. And just all the wisdom that has come through your life experiences, through the stories from your grandpa you know, teaching you and then how you've brought that together in the book on being better. And, you know, some of which you've shared here today, most of which you've shared here today mm -hmm. in such an easy way for people to understand. 
And there's the key to complexity is simplicity. Exactly. Every complex problem in your life has a very simple solution. Just break it down. Exactly. And so I know that you are also very generous in sharing this book as well. So I would love for you to share how people can get hold of that. We'll put that in the show notes too. Mm -hmm. And I do recommend people read it, but not only read it to actually take action. Cause at the end of each chapter, or even in some chapters, partway through, you ask people to stop the recording because it's an audio book or an ebook, right? To stop and do what you've asked them to do and then come back and keep going. And what you get out of the book and the value of the book is only going to be as good as you following those steps. Mm -hmm. there's, there's a simple loop. And I think if everybody could visualize this just for a second, imagine a circle with three points on it and it goes clockwise. And the first one says action. Action, the more we do something, the more we'll become competent. Mm -hmm. Our competency will rise when we take action. And when we have more competency, we'll gain more confidence. Mm -hmm. And the more confident we come, the more likely we are to continue to take more action. This is the confidency competency loop. Right. And so that's why I always want to tell people, start with action. The smallest action, do one push-up. Mm -hmm. Talk to one person for 20 seconds today. Smile and start a conversation with the person at the register. But it's always about taking one piece of consistent action and it will actually make you want to do more. Yes. To desire it. Exactly. And I 100% agree with that. We often will hear, you know, start before you're ready, right? Mm -hmm. And that's, that's really what you're saying there is take that action. You don't have to wait to be competent first. Take the action first. The action brings the competence. The competence brings the confidence. And you're in that positive cycle. Yeah. So, yeah, please share how people can get hold of the book and uh, how they might get hold of you if they want to work with you in any way, shape or form, whether it's through your story framework, your coaching, et cetera, et cetera. How can people get hold of you? I tell, I'm, I'm a little bit different than a lot of coaches. I'm extremely accessible and extremely picky. <laughs> 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 to work with me, there's two qualifications in this order. I have to like you. Fair enough. I don't like you. I don't want to spend time with you. And I spend a lot of time with the people I work with. And the secondly is I have to believe without a doubt that I can get you to help you or equip you for mm -hmm. you to get the results that you need. Those things, two things line up. Then we can talk about coaching. But I tell people, everybody, the easiest way is chadnedland.com. I'm not going to send you to a website. I'm not going to make you watch a video. I'm not going to make you sign up for my email list yet. <laughs> <laughs> Yet, it's real simple. Go to Calendly, book a call. Because if, if you're interested in getting to know me, I will give you at least 15 minutes to half an hour of my time. And we will just talk. And we'll find out if I can serve you. Maybe you could serve me. I don't know. I'm smart enough to know I still need help in a lot of areas. That's the greatest thing I learned is the most brilliant minds in the world realize they don't know everything. And, and I, I thought, well, if that's the case, I must be brilliant because there's a lot I don't know. <laughs> right. And so I really love that. If you want to connect with me or get, yeah, right? Because if you want to know anything about me or what it is that I do, just book a call with me and talk to me. I'm a very approachable person. I will make you laugh. I might make you cry. Guaranteed. I will change your life. Absolutely. And just today, you've changed people's lives just through this podcast, as you said reaching out to a thousand who speak to a thousand. Right. And you're absolutely right in terms of you can't possibly know everything. And this is always a journey, which is why I wanted to focus on this theme this month. And it's been part of the learning that I've had on my journey, because there was a time where I thought I would get to an end point in my learning. And then I realized, no, there's never an end point. There's always something more, right? And that's what makes it interesting. And that's what brings amazing people into your life as you continue on this journey and surround yourself with people that are on the same journey. So thank you so, so much for your time today, your wisdom, your sharing, 
And the show notes uh, have the list, uh, the link to get the book. So people can go ahead and download that there. And then I always ask two questions of my guests before I wrap the show. And so the first one is, what does don't wait for your wake up call mean to you? I, I, I thought about a lot about that because you mentioned you were going to ask that. And really, I think about my son, Jonathan, when he passed away and writing that book, his death, my rally call. That was my wake up call. And I look back and I said, if, if I understood that, if I understood that 15 years prior, how much more of an impact could I have made? How many more lives could I have saved working with the homeless? How many people could I have pull, pulled out of the ditch and put them back in a home again? How, could it, how would my life look different for my wife and my children now? I mean, it's pretty good now. <laughs> but what, what would it look like different? I mean, who knows? We might be in another country doing the same thing, but serving a whole different nation at this point. Not waiting is going to be the, the greatest investment of your life. Just do it now. Not equipped? do it now. I learned a long time ago, if you start, the resources will show up. Mm -hmm. The resources will show up. And if we had another two hours, I could tell you an amazing yeah. journey that showed that part. But do it now. What it means to, to not wait means you're not wasting the opportunity that you have. Every moment that you're not living your life to the fullest, it's you taking the best and greatest potential of your life and flushing it down the toilet because so they'll true. never get it back. So true. So time true. isn't a commodity. It's a measuring stick. Thank you, you for investing this time with me. No don't wait for and then ties back into podcast. your actions. I'm so and glad you joined in. Do it now. If you take, take the action. You don't to have share to be ready. With but recognize you can benefit your value, positive impact you on your life, what you have to offer, and just get started. Please leave a review so, by going to your favorite podcast Thank you. Very profound. Love, love, love it. And, and my last question is simply, is there any like other message that you would like to leave the audience my with to, to bring the possibility of natural healing to, to a wider audience just said, to and help disrupt the sick today. care system Step we have today into their and make human health a global like I, priority? I normally sign off. Health Remember that there is beauty, there is grace, and there is greatness within you today. Now go unleash it into the world. They're waiting. Thank you. I love that. Very, very profound. So thank you so much for gifting us with your time, your wisdom, your brilliance, Chad. This has been super fun interview. And uh, I really appreciate you making the time for this and for the audience. And thank you to all of my listeners for joining us here today and share this episode with anybody that you think may benefit from it. And quite frankly, I think that means everyone. So get out there and share it. Remember, have a thousand conversations, send it out there into the world, create that ripple effect and have a wonderful rest of your day, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, and just get started. Thank you.